Welcome to Breaking It Down, a podcast where I help business owners, executives, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and leaders on how to break through their business and careers. I'm your host, Michelle Falcon, entrepreneur, author, keynote speaker, and businessinsider.com featured entrepreneur. Let's get started. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Breaking It Down. I am excited to welcome my guests at Troy. Troy, how many times have you been asked for that handle on Instagram? Per day? Uh, <laughs> way too many. All right, fair enough. So at Troy on Instagram, um, Troy and I met through a mutual friend, Sol Orwell, and his cookie off competition uh, about a year ago, uh, approaching a year ago. And uh, we've hung out in New York. Um, tell us a little bit about Juice. Sure. So Juice is, uh, I'm co-founder of Juice. Me and uh, Michael Lisovetsky founded uh, the agency about two and a half years ago. Uh, We're an acquisition-focused agency. We do primarily paid acquisition, but also influencers. So Facebook ads, Instagram ads, Google, YouTube, Snapchat. We work with a lot of variety of brands, everything from HIPAA-compliant texting out to doctors, for doctors, blockchain conferences, uh, Paris Hilton. Uh, BuzzFeed, a lot of random projects along the way. Um, most of our clients are in the D2C space, but there's a big variety. Troy's let me work uh, from his office in New York, uh, so I've uh, always appreciated that. Uh, you used to live in Miami, so the question that I'm going to ask you is what's one reason why somebody should move and live and work for Miami? And what is one reason why somebody should do the exact same but in Manhattan? Sure. Um, so, I mean, the obvious answer is going to say the weather, but for me, it's uh, there's a lot of opportunity. I mean, there's uh, as far as like tech goes in general, the city is making a big effort to push it forward. Um, the government down there, the local government down there, is very uh, positive on tech and really wants to get behind it and help out. So, it's a really great environment. It's still a lot earlier days of tech than like the New York or other cities would be. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity as well as uh, it's a gateway for the country into Latin America. So if you're doing anything in that in that world, like plenty of opportunity there between tech um, and different geographies. Uh, so for New York, for me, um, I'm from New York originally, so I'm a little biased, but I always like the speed of New York. Everything, everyone, everyone, everything goes at a super quick pace and that's how I like to work. Um, it's definitely a little bit more cutthroat than other uh, other cities, but that's where I like to be. Um, it's like where all the action is. It's it's a lot more exciting for me um, than uh, Miami. But everyone's different. Everyone ha- works at their own speeds um, and have their different preferences. But they're both great cities for different reasons. One more question: If you were to have, if if COVID nineteen was to pass and restaurants were to mm-hmm. open again in Manhattan. What is the first restaurant you are going to go to? Oh man, <laughs> gotta choose. Uh, there's a because the place called Kasaki that let everyone in my secret. That's the, like my favorite spot in the city. Um, I found this random sh- like sushi restaurant in Astoria, Queens. Like the chef opened his own place in uh, in Manhattan now, um, and it's I've been craving it for months. <laughs> awesome, Troy. What type of questions do you have for me? Um, 
So I, uh, I'd be curious on the uh, post COVID, how you see, uh, one, how you see companies embracing, uh, more of the, the zoom, like zoom culture and rather than actually meeting in person, um, how, uh, like the necessity to either, either fly out for a meeting or even cross go across the city for a meeting. If you think that's going to be limited, uh, limited, or this is just like, is this such a temporary, uh, way we're living of doing zoom conferences, zoom, uh, telecommunication, or is this going to be the new norm? Good question. Uh, I had this conversation uh, at length with a VP of finance of a bank um, a couple of days ago in terms of what are travel budgets now going to look like um, for organizations of all sizes. I believe everyone in theory loves this idea of let's jump on a Zoom, but I also think there's Zoom fatigue experiencing uh, happening right now. And the um, desire to have socialization and um, meeting people face to face, that's never going to go away. Um, that's a part of humanity and building relationships. I know that when I was, um, so, uh, you know, apart from my girlfriend for a few, it was three weeks, three and a half weeks when I was stuck in Peru. And she was here in Toronto during this whole epidemic um, or sorry, pandemic. But um, it's not that like the relationship changed. It just wasn't the same. Right. Um, yeah. We're doing it through Zoom. So why would business be any different unless we are satisfied with having transactional relationships? Um, I would like Skype and Zoom and all these things existed before COVID happened. Um, but yet we still go on that plane to shake that hand. Um, we still jumped on a plane to go meet with our team if we're operating in different regions. So I actually believe when this passes, there's, uh, you know, within reason, uh, in terms of uh, affordability for companies, we are going to still get on that plane if we are allowed to go reconnect with our employees, with our clients, with our vendors, and, and so forth. Uh, but you... When I, I spoke to that, um, that vice president of finance um, that I mentioned a moment ago, his main positioning was we have an opportunity to save money um, now. And I think a lot of leaders are going to like that idea. That's but interesting. I, said, I was looking at. Yeah, but we had that. Like, don't you think that we had that opportunity before? Like, would your position be that it's just there's more awareness now that this actually works in building the relationship. So I don't know if there's more awareness or people are just more are forced conditioned to, to accept this now. Um, and now that people are becoming more accepting this and, and this is becoming quote unquote like a new norm, uh, maybe it'll be more accepted in general. So that's, I was like kind of wondering, like me, like there's, I noticed there's a ton of digital conferences going on. All the conferences, a lot of the conferences got canceled. The in-person meetings are transforming into a digital conference. Like maybe that could be the next trend of uh, events, of meetings, of meetups, and everything. I don't know. I mean, I agree with you. I think that the IRL aspect of it is important. Yeah. Maybe there's a balance. Perhaps. Um, I do. I do a lot of keynote speaking, and everything came to uh, an abrupt halt. And then I was told by my agent and by other speakers, "You're still going to speak. It's just going to be online." 
and, and people are going to move to digital conferences, not the big ones, right? Like that, I, I, that hasn't happened. That hasn't been replaced. Like South by Southwest didn't get replaced by a digital conference. I don't, I don't believe. Um, and the ones that have, and I've attended a few, there's a different dynamic behind it. Like I can't, I've been invited to two day conferences. I was like, I, I, I couldn't possibly want to st- uh, attend a conference for two full days. That sounds like 20 years. Right. So yeah. A lot of conference binging. Yeah. And I don't like that experience. How do you go from, I went to South by and I really liked it because of the, the curation. How do you bring that mm-hmm. online? And replicate that. That's hard. That's really hard. Yeah. From a user I don't understand experience. how it customer like user experience perspective, networking perspective, it's a lot more difficult. Um, short of building out some kind of digital experience, like full experience where closer to like a video game. Like with the, I remember like Facebook was pushing for like the VR meetings and everything for a while. And you make right. your little VR characters, like maybe that could be potentially the future. Obviously, you're a ways away from that because most people don't have those kind of uh, VR headsets. But uh, I mean, I think for me, like, like going to like, if when I ever I attend a conference, the, the biggest takeaway for me is usually the networking aspect, which is a lot harder to do. If you're at a digital conference, you're not going to sidebar a random person that you don't know who they are on a, on a zoom chat. Exactly. And one of the things that you and I have both been invited to mastermind talks. So Jason Gaynard's mm-hmm. conference, uh, you talk to anybody that goes to a conference like that or something similar, it is that dialogue that you have with somebody outside of the meeting room in the hallway. Like that's where the value compounds really quickly. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you can do that for conferences. And I also don't know how well you can do that with clients um, in like a B2B environment. Right. Yeah, it makes it. I mean, it's definitely one of the downsides. Like, obviously, logistically, it's 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 great for uh, to set up for like a Zoom, like a conference online versus in person for the person setting up. But for the attendees, it's uh, something needs to be done to make it a better experience and somehow take some elements of the in person uh, conferences that make it so valuable. So many people and apply it there because the, the the value of of course the the speakers and everything will be there, and that's amazing but you're missing a big dynamic of why people actually attend these conferences. Absolutely. And so. let me ask you, how have you, you manage relationships or maybe it's, it's now more your team uh, and your senior leaders, but how have you found managing the customer experience uh, in, in your business? Because I would imagine you're having to do it through zoom with your clients. Yeah. So it's, it's actually really interesting for us because we, uh, so we're, we have an office in Tribeca. We have a good location in the city. So we're semi-centrally located so we can meet with anyone. And it's always been the trend, like even ever since we started that our clients, we have clients in New York, all over the country, our clients usually opt for a phone call or a zoom always. So nothing much has changed for us. Um, the, some clients of course prefer the in-person meeting, but most of our clients already at this point have been remote, um, remote meetings, uh, and they prefer it that way because they don't want to have to deal with, you know, trafficking through the city to get over to us or dealing with going to the subway. They just want to just hop on a quick call, get an update. Um, we can always hop on a call or a Slack, whatever. We're part of our team works remote and, uh, we set up our, everything at our company to be really process driven and all the data is there for anyone that's working remote. Any of our clients that are remote can access everything. 
uh, we've been actually focusing on this for a while. So it's uh, came naturally to us, thankfully. What do you think about demo? Now that I'm, you know, we're talking about this and I'm thinking about it more critically, is it based on demographic, age demographic? Like, are you noticing perhaps more youthful people being like, forget the in-person meeting, let's just do a Zoom? Whereas, you know, I, she isn't my client, she's it's, my mother, but when she FaceTimes me, like she holds the phone up to her eyeball and I'm like, mom, like, put the phone, <laughs> put the phone back, right? My mom does the same thing. She I, just learned how to use emojis too. Yeah, um, nice. <laughs> you know, I've a million every text. Um, but uh, so it's interesting, like our clients, like the ones that come in person, it's uh, all ages. Like we had a team that uh, was launching uh, this charity program and they were probably in their mid to late 20s and they were always referred in person meetings. Whether And then we had uh, a, a luxury furniture company we're working with that people were in their 60s-ish, um, 50s, 60s, and they always preferred uh, just hopping on a Zoom. So, I mean, <laughs> it's okay. uh, you never know. Yeah, and, I, and this perhaps is a really good lesson for customer onboarding and just straight up asking the new client, how do you prefer to communicate and just let them dictate uh, whether it's via email, text, Zoom, in person, and then just taking it from there. Now, in a B2B environment, there's the person who pays pays you for your services, but then there could be a different person that uh, you work with for approval of the project. And when I when I used to do some advising um, several years ago, that's one of the things that I would talk about with clients is like, just because one person says they want it one way on the other side of the fence, being your client doesn't mean that you can blanket everybody. So in your CRM, you should be able to document like Joey wants in-person meetings, but Samantha wants to be spoken, uh, wants Zoom and so forth. So really capturing that customer intelligence will, I guess, ultimately dictate how you proceed and how you manage that experience, whether it's in-person or as you put it, oh, IRL. Or <laughs> no, it's a, but yeah, that's a great uh, takeaway. I mean, uh, especially if you take down those like notes like that and remember like the little details they get appreciated especially if someone's like you know steve prefers yeah, a zoom call and you try to keep getting to go in person obviously it makes a an awkward relationship with your client absolutely um, so when you remember those details like they're appreciated um they might not be said but they're always noticed because you have an eye for design i have a question for you what company right now whether it's online or offline do you really admire for their brand aesthetic and design hmm. um a lot of good brands coming out now i mean i'm obviously biased to say one of our clients but <laughs> um, yeah i mean like right now i can say like i saw that company like not not a client of ours but i just appreciate their from a design perspective like judy came out which is like uh home uh emergency kits and it makes it a little less intimidating like a typical uh emergency life-saving kit would be it's more friendly it's very straightforward i'm, I'm all i'm a big fan of simplicity and uh minimal design and they did a great job with that bringing it to that market that's kind of intimidating of uh like emergency equipment for your home and keeping your family safe that's so bizarre that you said that because i was going to say or maybe coincidental i was going to say hint uh water um, and I didn't know who Nick Sharma was 
until mm-hmm. last week. And uh, my friend said, because I'm I'm explore I'm wor- working on this direct to consumer product, and my friend Trung um, works at the Hustle, and he said, "Hey, I'm interviewing a guy that you should probably learn from. His name's Nick Sharma, and he talked about Judy, and it's it's Judy.co for any listeners. It's um, essentially an earthquake survival kit." Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And um, I visited the website and it's many years, like when I was 19, I was like, why don't, what if you went direct to consumer with earthquake survival kits? I never pursued it. But when I went to the website, I perhaps felt the same sentiment that you did. I was like, this is such a clean site. Like, I feel like I could eat dinner off of this UI. Um, so Really good choice, and I would actually say I, I like that brand even more so than Hint, and, and I like Hint. Um, no, they're great. And, and Nick, I've actually been, I've been, Nick and I have been friends for years now. We started multiple Facebook groups together for marketers, and um, we help grow each other as marketers. Great guy. Um, fantastic. Yeah, I've heard the same. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, it's a good guy. And then um, I'll throw out a client as well as camp, like camp.com, for example, is a client of ours. But I always really appreciate their aesthetic. They're, uh, C-A-M-P? Uh, Yep, camp.com. Um, it's an experiential toy store, kind of like taking the old F.O. Schwartz model and bringing it back to the modern age, but uh, times 100. Like it's, a, it's like a really cool store that you go into. It's, uh, if you, if they're, there's a, they're in five cities now, uh, New York, uh, Dallas, and a few others. I should know, Connecticut, a few in Connecticut as well. Okay. Um, and uh, you go to like a secret uh, bookshelf to get inside like it's a cool cool experience and all the design is like su- you'll see it's like super ocd to be everything super crisp and clean uh you'll really appreciate it fantastic i'll check that out uh troy what is something you are working on or a request that you have for any listeners sure i mean uh something we're working on is uh we launched a pretty cool partnership with uh lala anthony um we have a athleisure wear line with her online, lalaanthonycollection.com. So if anyone wants some comfortable but fashionable clothes while they're uh, lounging in quarantine or going to the supermarket, definitely check it out. Um, and for myself, if you have any questions or want to reach out anywhere, I can be helpful, as, uh, as he was saying, uh, at Troy on uh, Instagram or at Yale on Twitter, whatever you prefer. Fantastic. And everybody, I am Michelle Falcon on LinkedIn. Troy, thank you uh, so much. The next time that I am in New York, and that's actually going to be my first city that I visit um, as soon as this lifts, uh, I'm going to uh, take you up on that recommendation of that. It was a Japanese restaurant, you said, right? Yeah, we'll go. I'll take you. Kasaki. Fantastic. All right, Troy, thank you so much for being on. And everybody, thank you so much uh, for listening to this episode of Breaking It Down. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If your company is interested in inviting me to keynote speak at a company event, be sure to visit my website, michellefalcon.com. If you have any questions on what you heard on this episode, email me directly at michelle at michellefalcon.com. I'll see you on the next episode.